Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick any area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM Sports account to get started. Then visit your promotion section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. You'll score a prize if you hit a single, double, triple, or home run. There's nothing more exciting than going yard. So swing for the fences with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on the market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hello, everybody. This is Peter Serretta, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for July 5th, 2017. I hope everybody out there had a good Independence Day. I spent mine at Disneyland watching the fireworks above It's a Small World, and it was fantastic. Um, Today on the show, we are going to just do one news item, and that is this mysterious Close Encounters of a Third Kind teaser trailer that appeared on the Sony YouTube page. Due to the holiday, the news has been slow, so we're only going with one news item for today, and it's going to be me solo. We will add an extra mailbag segment. This is a new segment we're introducing where I will answer a question from you guys, uh, and you can submit questions at peter at slashfilm.com. And then we'll go into our feature presentation where we will have Scott Beggs on to discuss his movie mixtape for Spider-Man Homecoming. You're not going to want to miss that. That's one of my favorite features on the site. Let's get to the news. Right before the holiday, Sony Pictures dropped a mysterious teaser trailer on YouTube under the title, This Means Something. That's obviously a famous quote from Steven Spielberg's 1977 film, Close Encounters of a Third Kind. The, The teaser trailer shows some air traffic control footage. There's some footage from Close Encounters spliced in there, like little snippets. 
and the the trailer end sending people to a website we are still not alone.com which is leading some people to believe that this teaser trailer is for a close encounters sequel or remake initially the internet was up in arms over this prospect honestly i don't think a close encounters uh sequel would be that bad of an idea if spielberg was involved Remember, Spielberg later in his career was not happy with the ending he had for Close Encounters, feeling that Richard Dreyfuss's character, Roy, would not have gotten on the mothership and left his family to go on that adventure. I think it could be interesting seeing Roy come back all these years later, having missed all that time with his family and friends, and having to deal with that loss of time experience uh, i mean i'm not sure i would make a great sci-fi movie a great alien movie but it could make a great dra- dramatic movie and uh, i know that aspect of flight of the navigator always scared me as a little kid but don't worry this close encounter sequel is probably not going to happen at least uh, anytime soon the teaser trailer that appeared online appears to be a promotion for a theatrical release for the 45th anniversary which is happening sometime in september it's gonna be a one week only presentation in theaters it's unclear which version of the film will be shown in theaters the theatrical cut spielberg infamously was not happy with it was rushed he wanted six more months but Columbia Pictures needed it. Uh, they, they were in financial trouble. It became a huge success. Spielberg, who had a director's cut clause on his contract, asked Columbia if he could go back and make his director's cut. Columbia agreed, basically under the condition that he would film a scene that would show the interior of the mothership. Uh, Spielberg did that. He re- that, that version was released, and Spielberg was unhappy with that. He... he regretted ever showing the interior of the mothership and he went back and actually released a third edition of the film um which was i think even slightly close uh, slightly uh, shorter on home video so it's unclear which versions which version of the film will be shown theatrically if you go to slashfilm.com you can watch this mysterious teaser trailer in full and actually see my article where i discuss spielberg's original sequel Two Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which was called Watch the Skies and then Night Skies, which was never produced, but became the basis for a bunch of classic movies, including E.T., Gremlins, and Poltergeist. So read that article on SlashFilm.com. Now let's get to the mailbag. This is a new segment we're trying out on SlashFilm Daily. You can send your questions to peter at SlashFilm.com. And while I can't promise we'll answer every question on the air, we will answer some of them so please leave your name and your general geographic location so we can credit you on the air our first letter on the mailbag comes from tyler parkings of orlando florida and he says how do you keep track of older movies you feel you must watch and how do you learn about older movies you should see um well that's a good question i'll answer the first question first for for me i i have found a system of using letterbox which is a great website and app i use mostly it as an app and on the app you can add films to your watch list so anytime i hear of a good film i i, I read an article about a film or see you know i'm looking at best of 
2017 lists on slash film right this week. So if I see a film that I missed that I have not seen, I'll add it to my watch list. And Letterboxd actually has a feature in there that you can actually sort by what movies are on my watch list that are on Netflix, what movies on my watch list are on iTunes, you know, which movies are on Hulu. So when I go to watch a movie with my girlfriend, we'll oftentimes pull up my watch list and pick one of those options and see what's available so we can check one of those uh, movies that were missed off the list. As for how do you find older movies, um, Tyler Perkins here says that he's gone through Leonard Maltin's movie guide, Edgar Wright's top 1,000 movies, and of course, uh, the IMDb 250. Uh, You know, I've done similar things. I've I've seen most of the IMDb top 250 at this point. Um, It it usually, right now, adding movies to my watch list comes from articles on the site, you know, finding things through top 10 lists, or just finding out about something in a conversation with friends. So that's usually how things get added to my list. I'm not sure how you guys do it. If you have better suggestions on where you find film recommendations, let me know at peter at slash film.com. And that's also the address where you can send your questions for future episodes of slash film daily. And now we're getting to our feature presentation with Scott Beggs of Nerdist and Thrillist. And you've seen him on slash film.com. He comes every couple weeks for the movie mixtape where he, picks a group of movies that are kind of the the list of movies is inspired by an upcoming movie coming to theaters. Uh, how, how would you explain it, Scott? Uh, first of all, thanks for having me. And how I would explain it is partially what you might want to watch with the movie. Although often the films I choose do not make great double features <laughs> with it. So that's a great description of it it's uh it's really about finding connections between the movies uh and trying to go a little deeper and honestly get a little weirder with those connections i think that perfectly describes it 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 is kind of i mean it's like a mixtape of of things trying to give you the same feeling as that movie uh we're not going to spoil anything that isn't in the trailers for this movie um but we're going to go over his movie mixtape which you can read in full at SlashFilm.com. Your first movie on this list is one of my favorite movies of all time, and that is Almost Famous. Yeah. So how does Almost Famous fit in this mixtape? So in trying to come up with movies that we're going to connect with Spider-Man Homecoming, there's a challenge there, not because there's so few of them, but because there's so many of them, whether you're going to connect it to other Marvel films or other Spider-Man movies that already exist, since there's been so many of them, cartoon and otherwise. Um, and in that challenge, I decided to do a little bit of research on John Watts, the director, the co-writer director, and he had given several interviews talking about his inspirations for film. And when he said that he loved almost famous, he loves 16 candles. He loves a lot of John Hughes stuff. All of that really clicked with this particular movie, not only because of the high school setting and because Tom Holland's version of Peter Parker is this very awkward teenager who has some of that kind of spider-man braggadocio some of that sarcasm that slings through but it's it's almost always uh in self-defense because he's in over his head and he's trying to pretend that he's cooler than he actually is because he's uncool he's very uncool and so almost famous uh once i saw that in an interview with john watts it really clicked because 
they they both feature so many different uh, similarities, uh, including just having this teen kid, this 14, 15 year old doing something that is not only an adult's job, but something that like a lot of adults would, you know, break someone's arm to do because it's so cool hanging out with the band, getting to go backstage, writing these great pieces for Rolling Stone. That is, in a sense, this kind of super heroism in Almost Famous. And uh, of course, I've kind of uh, cheated a little bit, but I do think that Philip Seymour Hoffman's character can be a little bit like the Iron Man figure of Almost Famous here, where we're connecting the two, because he jumps in at random intervals and gives a little bit of advice and then disappears. Oh, for sure. And uh, William Miller would definitely be part of Uncool. It, it is interesting that your list here, six movies, does not contain any John Hughes movies. Is that because it would be too obvious? No, not that it would be too obvious, but I would say that when I was looking at 16 Candles, I almost picked 16 Candles instead of Almost Famous. And that's kind of getting into how I form this feature in thinking about a bunch of different movies and whittling down the list. And they kind of end up getting into tracks, like why I'm connecting the dots. And so because of that, I have three or four that would fit the bill. And 16 Candles was almost what I wrote about instead of Almost Famous. And instead of going for the Marvel Universe connections, your next movie on this list is actually a DC movie uh, back from a couple generations ago, I guess, of this character, and that is Batman Returns. So why is Batman Returns on this list? Well, I mean, you kind of hinted at it right there that I almost jumped in to do some Marvel stuff to say, hey, we should talk about the connections between how Spider-Man is being folded into this Marvel Universe now. But... Uh, the movie itself does a great recap of of tying you in. So I didn't find it that necessary. Uh, and it does a far better job than I would have been able to. But with Batman Returns, the obvious connection here is Michael Keaton playing Batman, uh, this character that he really owned in a major way, not only in the 80s, but beyond. He's been a staple of how this character is meant to be played. Uh, I think there's going to be a huge debate on it, as always, of whether or not he was a great Batman or a great Bruce Wayne, or both. I, I think he was a great Bruce Wayne for, for my money. <laughs> but I agree. Uh, he uh, it's, it's a very interesting movie, and instead of picking the first Batman that is a sort of origin in, an, in its own way, I wanted to jump into Batman Returns because it deals uh, with these strange larger-than-life villains that do come from the underworld, not in a sort of dark crime sense, but in a sense of the, they're very put upon. And now here comes Spider-Man Homecoming, where Keaton uh, plays Adrian Toomes, and he is not your typical villain character at all. And I'm actually going to be writing a piece that touches on how Spider-Man subverts uh, the superhero genre for Slash Film later this week. Uh, so I won't get too, too into it. You'll have to read more there. But uh, Toombs is a really fascinating villain character uh, in part because he uh, is down on his luck and he's actually really uh, pissed off at Iron Man for a very real specific human reason that we can all understand. <laughs> and he kind of turns to a world that we can understand. For sure. The, the movie opens up with a scene that I feel like I relate more to this villain from that scene than any other Marvel villain. Absolutely. It's also maybe not the most clever observation, but Michael Keaton, you know, this is the third time that he's played a winged comic book creature. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the the third film on your list is not something I would suspect at all. And that is Harlan County, USA. 
Yeah, that's right. So this um, this documentary, for one, I thought it was a great connection to the movie, and for two, it kind of was uh, a great opportunity to just share it with other people and say, hey, please go check out this film. Uh, this does bounce a little bit off of my thinking for the character of Adrian Toomes, who I think in Homecoming, Keaton does a really strong job. Um, there's so often in superhero movies where the villain is in a different film because you're getting a glimpse at them in their castle, in their lair, with their henchmen, and they exist separate from the superhero whose main story we see not only through their eyes, but also in their real life and is trying to be a hero. And there's kind of an island created of the villain. And so Keaton has to do this great job of becoming a really strong figure separate from the rest of the main story until it collides with the main story, of course. And that's pretty typical. But again, we we alluded to the blue collar nature of Adrian Toomes. Uh, he's a very sympathetic villain. Uh, and, Harlan County, USA is, I think, a very fascinating look at the Kentucky coal mining industry. And this is in the 70s uh, that Barbara Koppel made this documentary. She went there originally to check on the election, basically, of this within this union. And it turned into this incredible story uh, that has to deal with coal mining unions, a group of workers trying to join this large national union, the company not allowing them to, not agreeing to sign the new contract with them. Uh, violence erupts. Um, it does have consequences uh, <laughs> of a dire nature. And it is a great question mark for all of us as an audience to uh, wonder who is the good guy in the story, who is the bad guy in the story. And it, of course, its gravitas is far heavier than Spider-Man Homecoming, <laughs> for example. But I, yeah. I appreciated that Homecoming also had this kind of blurry line of good guy and bad guy. And the understanding in Harlan County, USA, is that these people fight incredibly hard on both sides, typically, uh, because they're trying to protect their families. Um, in my mind, in Harlan County, uh, with my own proclivities, there is definitely a villain <laughs> a very clear and obvious greed villain. Um, but it is a fascinating documentary, and I think it deserves more eyeballs. I do think it is interesting that Spider-Man Homecoming does try to show some shades of, of today and the Trump America and, mm -hmm. you know, these working class people that are out of jobs and factory towns and whatnot. You mm -hmm. know, I, it's not something I would expect from a normal MCU movie. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very interesting, too, because if you just watch the high school that Peter Parker and the rest of the crew are at, it is so effortlessly and quietly diverse. They have, like, every stripe of character uh, of hu real human being going to this high school, and it's not even – it's not commented upon in any particular way. It's just there in the background, very, very tacit – uh, that it is an unbelievably like great slice of the cultural cake of the United States. And then on the flip side of that, or not really on the flip side, if I, if I get my way in arguing it, is that you have this blue-collar uh, villain who's not really a villain, who's a very sympathetic blue-collar uh, person who uh, is, is trying to do best by his family. And in a way, the movie makes a great argument. I, I will not you know spoil it in any way. But it makes a great connection between the Vulture and a very beloved MCU figure. And I think in, in that moment, the movie proves that it gets what the character is doing. And 
in the end, I hope the audience message is that you get a sense of sympathy for everyone involved in this movie, period. For sure. And and speaking of Peter's classmates, your next movie on this list kind of centers on one of his classmates, and that's Shane Black's The Nice Guys, which might seem, mm-hmm. you know, like an off-the-wall choice at first. <laughs> But why why is that on the list? I mean, honestly, I'll be I'll be straight with you. The connection here is only the actor, really. I I can't find <laughs> a, a really strong plot connection or anything to <laughs> between the two. But uh, I thought it was interesting to see uh, one thing. You're that talking hung... about the actress that plays uh, Betty Brant. That's right, Angora Rice, yeah. and um, she was a just a knockout talent in The Nice Guys. Uh, she plays in that Ryan Gosling's character's daughter who is uh clearly a bit more smart street smart and book smart than her dad um great plucky young you know smart ass kid character in the vein of the smart ass kid and um she does a great job with that in the nice guys uh one thing that homecoming does a strong job of uh, you can wipe your brow and say few on this one is that the connections that they're making to other films are not belabored (laughs) they're not so like uh obvious and other than iron man of course wanting to connect back backward to the mcu all the future possible sony slash marvel movies that are going to take place like no character jumps in and says here's my name maybe it'd be cool if i got my own movie later in the way that some marvel movies have been clunky because of that and angoria rice plays betty brant who we've seen before in Sam Raimi's trilogy, played by Elizabeth Banks, um, as a and as an assistant for J. Jonah Jameson at the Daily Bugle, and now in this in this world, we're back in high school, and uh, Rice plays this uh, sort of I don't I don't know how to characterize it exactly, but like a cynical eyed uh, school news reporter. <laughs> She's like the anchor yeah. for the school news and she's got a partner and she just seems like nonplussed about everything that goes on around her. And it's a perfect fit for her for her role. And it's great that she's just there and not commented upon, but part of the mix. And there's other characters that are there that you'll recognize from reading the comics that are uh, not commented upon. But you can see the potential seed there for later movies or to see what kind of larger role that character might be given later on. And I think, you know, this is just prognostication, but choosing Rice as an actress signals that Betty Brant should get some meteor parts in future Spider-Man movies. Oh, for sure. And like you said, it's not obvious at all. She's on a TV monitor like twice. (laughs) Yeah. But I think we're going along here. So I'm going to tell the listeners to go to SlashFilm.com to read your last pick on this list. And where can we find more of your work on the internet, Scott? Yeah, so uh, on Twitter at Scott M. Beggs, that's M as in Michael, you can follow me there. And I typically write uh, for Slash Film, for Nerdist, Thrillist, I've written for Vanity Fair uh, and IndieWire and a few others. So uh, just uh, do a quick Google search, ignore the images that pop up in your feed, and just... <laughs> Click on click on good links, but thanks a lot for having me, Peter. And you have a podcast. Oh yeah, we we do have a podcast, uh, Broken <laughs> Projector. I do it with screenwriter Jeff Latulip, and we talk about movies, and we also answer screenwriting questions for those aspiring to get into the business. Thanks for coming on, Scott. I love the movie mixtapes on the site. Thanks a lot.